0: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, The Quick Fix.
1: It was while drinking tea with a neighbor one afternoon that Mrs. Meekle became mortified. Her mortification occurred at precisely 2.35 p.m., for that was the exact moment that a loose curtain rod became dislodged from its bracket allowing the curtains to tumble to the floor, and a cruel beam of sunlight to stab its way into the kitchen and spotlight the filthy state of the walls. In the seven years they'd been living in their little apartment, the Meekle family had not once considered the walls. They were a rather lackadaisical and bookish bunch, none of them the type to think of refilling an empty ice tray or removing a dirty sock from the bookcase or repainting a wall that had been rendered almost gray from years of neglect. In the ensuing moments, as Mrs. Meekle crashed her teacup into its saucer, flew from her seat, hurriedly resnapped the rod, and righted the curtains, she knew one thing for certain the kitchen walls needed a new coat of paint. So that weekend, Mrs. Meekle, Mr. Meekle, their son and daughter, all stayed home, and together, together, they painted the kitchen a bright and kitcheny yellow. The job went well, and when it was done, Mrs. Mrs. Meikle opened the kitchen curtains wide, closed her eyes, and allowed the sun's sun to warm her face. She felt like she had made friends again with the sun. As for the rest of the family, in a way that they could not quite explain, the freshly painted kitchen made food taste better. They also realized that the act of painting itself had proven to be a rather good time. Normally, a group of individuals content to go their own way, a copy of some large classic tucked under their arm, the Meekles found working together, spending time together, a welcome change of pace. Funny, too, was that with the sheets draped over the tables and counters to protect them from the paint, their kitchen had become something like a work in progress, a work of art yet to be unveiled. Maybe it was just the smell of fresh paint, but there was a definite feeling of possibility in the air whatever it was their little apartment had become something more than just an apartment and all the Meekles felt it it was only a day after the kitchen had been finished when Mrs. Meekle confided to the family that ever since she was a little girl she had always wanted a purple living room just like the living room of her childhood dollhouse How do you think a purple living room would look in our house, she asked. The Meekles decided to find out, and that very night, Mr. Meekle pulled out the sheet, and together, he and his wife draped the couch, armchairs, coffee table, and TV. The daughter went out to the shed and retrieved the rollers, which were yellow and still sticky and wet, and the son ran off to the paint store. They worked happily and well all evening, and when they were done, around midnight... They went out to a restaurant around the corner that they'd always been curious about, but had never tried. In a little red booth by the window, they ate fried chicken, their clothes spotted in purple like they had just come in from an Italian vineyard after picking grapes. Later that night, they opened all the windows and slept soundly, the curtains waving in the wind like cool clean linen on a clothesline. The next morning the Meekles stood stood in the living room, admiring their work. "'Let's do the bathroom and the bedrooms,' Mr. Meekles said suddenly. And without the slightest hesitation, all the Meekles agreed, and once again their world was filled with ladders, paint buckets, and drop cloths. At the end of the week, after the bathroom, bedroom, and a walk-in closet had been painted, and after several nights of fried chicken had been eaten, it was decided that before everything was cleaned up, they would tackle the hallway too. What the heck, they thought. Painting was like anything else. When you were in a groove, you went with it. They decided to change the hallway from white, which was so pedestrian, to eggshell white, which Mrs. Meikle believed brought a delicate twist of sophistication, turned a hallway into a foyer. Over the course of several days, they painted the hall's moldings parchment white, the doors, Sahara beige, and the hallway closet, Calypso blue. When it was all finished, Mrs. Meikle looked around and remarked how perhaps now, with all the changes, the kitchen's yellow was working against the colors of the other rooms. Mrs. Meikle was still in mid-sentence, when the rest of the Meekles were already, already unrolling tarp. In this way, the family continued, with each newly painted room necessitating the repainting of another room. Over the course of only several days, the dining room went from white to green olive, to English toffee, to sweet peach, and then back to white again. But it would not stay white for long, for as the living room and bedrooms change color, so too would the dining room have to change with them. In this way, their apartment became not unlike an ever-changing jawbreaker candy. It got to the point that once a room was done, they'd just leave the sheets over the furniture, tacitly understanding that, in short order, they'd be coming back anyway. Days turned into weeks, and for the Meekles, it was a contented time. Regular responsibilities were were dispensed with. Grocery shopping, dusting. Who did those things in the midst of a paint job? In the late evening, together they walked through the neighborhood searching out new restaurants, eating new foods, and talking to one another. And at night, they slept with the windows wide open, even as the weather changed and the nights grew colder. It had been almost a month since anyone had actually seen the material on the couch or the wood of the coffee table. When the mikos took a break from painting to read, they just sat right down and kicked their legs up. They liked the way it felt being surrounded by sheets. They felt as though they were safely locked in an attic during the war, close together and happy to be alive. But as one month turned to two months, their breaks from painting became more frequent. At first they were a few hours here and there, but slowly these breaks became whole days and then weeks. It was as though everyone had forgotten that there was work to be done, that they were in fact in the middle of a paint job. The kids would come home from school, throw their school bags down onto their sheet-covered desks, sit down on the sheet-covered couch, and listen to their sheet-covered stereo. The neighbors began lingering outside their open windows, trying to catch a glimpse of what was happening in there. They wondered what kind kind of renovations could possibly be going on for so long, and where were the plumbing trucks, the carpenters, coming and going? Just finishing up a paint job, Mr. Meekle would answer when cornered at the bank or post office. But after getting the same response for months on end, the neighbors began to suspect that something was not right. They surmised, these neighbors, that the paint fumes must be making the Meekles rather loopy. Every so often, one of the family would ask, guiltily and half-heartedly, "'Shouldn't we get back to the painting?' "'And the others would concede, and thus their efforts would renew. "'But then, quickly ebb. "'The truth was that for the Meekles, "'although they felt painting to be good fun, "'it was the mess, the in-betweenness, "'the spirit of vacation that they all loved best. "'And so, in spite of everything, they went on, "'starting and stopping, closing and opening paint cans,' And beginning conversations about new colors that dropped off into silence before any decisions were ever reached. But eventually, even those pretenses began to fade, and the meekles began unabashedly using the steps of the ladders as makeshift shelves for books, the paint cans as coasters for takeout coffee and cocoa. Takeout, of course, for the apartment was in such a tumultuous state that they had long ceased to make such things at home. And then, one morning, upon awakening, Mrs. Meekle found herself feeling something different. She felt cold. She rose from her bed where her husband was still asleep, cocooned in blankets. She put on her bathrobe, cinched her belt tight, and walked into the living room. As usual, the window was opened wide. Seated on the couch were her children, reading and shivering. On their heads were woolen caps, and around their necks, long scarves. Mrs. Meikle went over to the window, and as she closed it shut, she knew that the paint job had finally reached its end. She sat down on the couch between her children and rubbed their knees. Winter was coming, and the Meekles had to return from wherever it was they'd all been.
2: Jonathan.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Uh, this day has been so crazy. It's uh-huh. like Who's this? this? I'm sorry, this is Christine Finnegan and I am calling from Toronto, CBC. I uh-huh. am um, in charge of the leadership uh seminar that we, so we just had this past weekend. Right. So you did not attend.
1: I yeah, I was working all through the weekend. I sent someone a, an email about that. I hope that was okay.
3: It was not okay. Oh. <laughs> it was it was mandatory. It was mandatory. And uh email is the common way to get out of things, you know. People send an email right at the last minute. I'm, the yeah, I'm you know, not very classy. But what I was thinking is um my boss, said to me hey why don't you give that guy a call because he's always on the phone <laughs> we know what you do and uh do some of the, the team building exercises over the phone do you have a second
1: uh, sure i mean i guess yeah a few seconds
3: team building and having fun together and uh, uh, really getting to know each other
1: i, I hear you i
3: know you and your team i don't have a, a
1: team i don't have any team um it's just it's it's just pretty much me
3: uh, a lot of times, it is the hardest thing to work with oneself, getting yourself motivated. How, How's everybody feeling?
1: I Great. guess I'm feeling a little silly. Great, but
3: what I need you to do now
1: is uh,
3: put your hand in front of your face. Put your—I want you to put your hand, palm, palm, toward your face.
1: Okay, all right.
3: And look into your hand, mm-hmm. as if it were your own face. Look into and say. Hi would you, and would you help me with the project? you're talking to me? No, you're talking to you.
1: I'm talking to my hand. Who is you? Christine, this is a part of I mean this is this was a part of the leadership seminar. People were talking to their hands.
3: There's a lot of defensiveness coming from you, Jonathan and I love it. I love it because the people who are limited in their thinking have the most growth. I just asked you a question. Will you help me on this project?
1: All right. Wow. What's what? right. What
3: that's right.
1: Before you do that, could you just maybe um, let me know? As so I...
3: this next one and this is this There's is the one? scariest thing for me, Jonathan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um so I want to give you a lot of support on this, but just know that your team is there for you. But
1: again, I d- there is no standing up? Sure, okay. All right, okay. standing up.
3: And just let yourself fall back. Uh,
1: But uh, there's no... I don't have anybody behind me.
3: That is a part of trust. Of knowing, even though there's nothing there, that you're safe. You know, you are being taken care of by the team. And And, just fall back.
1: Just fall backwards. I, I don't... Just put down the
3: phone... And, and and fall back and then and and get back on the phone with me.
1: Okay, Christine. But I mean, you you understand that I could
3: I could break my spine. Listen, there's a lot of fear with this exercise. So many people said, I don't want to do it, and and uh, and it's interesting because those are the people who had the most growth.
1: I understand what you're talking about, but but I mean, but traditionally. Trust involves another person, right? I mean, there's usually This is about there.
3: tradition. This is about creating a whole new paradigm. You know, you seem stuck in this certain kind of thinking, like no one's going to catch me if I fall. There's no one there.
1: But, there, I mean, there isn't anybody there.
3: It's mandatory, Jonathan. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, great. So let's fall backwards into what you think is going to be painful, lonely, Slightly terrifying, and see what happens.
1: I'm going to put the phone down.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. Hang on.
3: I love that you're doing this, Jonathan. It's just so great. It's exciting. This is my favorite part. <laughs> this beautiful <coughs>
1: Hello. No. Not good. Not good. I'm, my, my. I love
3: that you did it, Jonathan. Okay, good great. for you. Okay, we'll talk to you later. And um, I'm sending out a questionnaire of, uh, you know, how you felt the exercises went. So if you could answer yeah. those questions and get those back to me through InterOffice Mail, that'd be great. Okay. Make okay. it a great day, Jonathan. Right. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right. So
4: why have you come down to the studio? I'm here because you seemed a little down. You seemed like you needed—I don't know. When did I seem down? You see, even now you're being defensive. It's not—it's not as if you don't. I'm not accusing you of anything. You seemed a little down, and I thought I would come down here and cheer you up.
1: I might not be at my best, although I think when I am at my best, it's not necessarily an incredible thing to behold. But until
4: such time, I, I will just note that you—you you seem to be a little a bit of a gloomy Gus, and I—you I, know—as I, I opposed to. A happy Harry, Bouncy Bob.
1: I'm just having I'm having a bit of a, a rough day. I uh my fell earlier Anyways. It's not
4: as if I saw some some, you know, like the bat signal, the the gold thing signal in the sky and I thought, you know, big JG with with a teardrop running down there. I just came here to tell you some jokes. Jokes. Okay, you ready? I guess. Two peanuts were walking down the street. Mm-hmm. One was assaulted. Wow. Huh? You know what? Let's create a joke together. Why? Because it'll give us a sense of empowerment.
1: Uh-huh. So
4: we're going to go one line by one line. So I'll, I'll start.
1: Yeah, you start.
4: Two stalks of broccoli. We're walking down the street.
1: All right. Um, one broccoli says to the other broccoli, you're looking a little green. We should get you to the hospital. And just So uh, stalk a little faster.
4: Very, very good. I'm very impressed. With- See? And you know what? There's a little smile on your face right now. Yeah. Let's try another one. Um, An atom turns to a molecule and says,
1: Who do you think you are, you big pituitary case? (laughs) Honestly, this isn't cheering me up at all.
4: I I tried. I came down here and I tried, okay? You know what? It wasn't easy for me to play this role as someone who actually cares. Why do you say that? I I wasn't going to talk about it, but I just heard from the guy that does my taxes, and I owe a huge lump sum. So I'm going to have to borrow from my brother, you know. And the last time I did that, it was really both awkward and, I have to admit, somewhat humiliating because it's as if he's succeeded in a way that I haven't. Mm -hmm. And his wife, too, who loves me. I'm sure she'll be very happy to give away his new bonus to me, the 'er ne'er-do-well. Hey, you know, this is actually... um... You actually made me
1: feel better. What? How? Honestly, any way that I'm going to put it, it's going to sound sort of um, mean and kind of
0: shallow. Yeah, you, you, no, but
1: I am i guess I'm just glad I'm not you right now, which is, you know, close to feeling good to be me. Not quite, but, you know, I'll take it.
4: I'm, I'm, Thanks hey, for that. Hey, I'm really happy to provide a service for you. It's its my pleasure and my, it's a gift. Oh, come on. Now you're sad? Yeah, of course I'm sad. Mm, okay, how about some jokes? I don't even want to think about this
1: that's Terrible! Oh come on, here we go. Here is some jokes for you. Here's some jokes. What color is a burp? Who cares. Burple. Why was the nose sad? Why why was the nose sad? Because he didn't get picked.
4: That's actually pretty funny. That's not bad. That's actually quite funny. You I see. Feel You're feeling better. See? That's actually genuine laugh. <laughs> how do you use that one?
1: Gary hello hey um could could you explain what it is that you do
2: uh I'm Gary Brewer and I am a uh, rock paper scissors player
1: and now you compete professionally Mm. in rock paper scissors competitions
2: yep I've been playing professionally now for five years
1: so this is sort of like um, odds and evens where you, you compete against each other with hand gestures where you make your hand into a fist for a rock yep, or you yep. flatten out your palm to indicate paper or you stick out your two fingers like they're a scissor.
2: Right, right, like each one beats another one. So paper will cover a rock and rock will crush or blunt the scissors and scissors will snip up a paper.
1: Right, and, and so it's a game of pure chance like tossing a coin.
2: Oh, what? See, this is the thing. Like, people say, oh, it's a game of chance, and it has to do with luck and that sort of thing. But it's actually much more serious than that, and it, it, it actually comes down to down to psychology. It comes down, you know, all that stuff plays a part in, in the game.
1: So, yeah, how would you apply that to, to the game of uh, paper, rocks, and scissors?
2: In my game, I like to take a, a more... Aggressive stance in a match where i like to control the toss like in tournament style for example It's one two three and then you toss a rock a paper or a scissors Right, and so if I get up there I go fast like a lot of people and a lot of chumps too They toss it pretty slow like one two three and then they will toss Whereas I, I my count is usually one two three toss and I'll, I'll count it out loud I'll go one two three toss and and I find that helps me put my opponent on their back foot You know it catches them off guard
1: and, and aside from trying to sort of psych your opponent out, I mean, are there other uh, strategic things to consider?
2: Well, there's simple things. Like, for example, like, you know, the, the sort of type of personality a person has, you can really tell what type of toss they might throw. Mm-hmm. Some chump off the street. Or like a lot of males, like there, there's a very high percentage that on their first toss when you're playing against them, they'll throw rock because it is the most aggressive toss.
1: You're saying that the rock is a more macho uh, throw than a scissor? Yeah. Because, I mean, you could stab someone with a scissor.
2: Well, if you I mean, you, you could brain
1: someone with a rock, but, I mean...
2: Rocks can be really big, too, like a boulder. Oh, I see. Like, like you can throw a rock, rock, rock. That's called the avalanche. Mm-hmm. Or you can throw the tool kit, which is one of my personal favorites, which is scissors, 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 right in a row. Mm-hmm. So these are little things that, like, pros always have in their back pocket. But, I mean, there's a lot of training. I do physical training. I do mental training. I do spiritual training.
1: So you, you actually train for this?
2: Well, for example, uh, every morning we get up, we do little scissor snips with our hands, a lot of wrist rolls, a lot of uh, paper hand push-ups, that sort of thing.
1: Uh-huh. So you do all of that uh, for essentially a, ch- a children's game of chance.
2: Well, it, that's the thing, though. It's not a children's game of chance. It's a game of skill, and it's a full-on game of skills. Mm-hmm. In straight-up life decisions, it helps a lot because it's definitive there's no halfway about it about it for a perfect example you take the barack and and hillary in uh-huh. the states you know how much money's been wasted why don't we just take you know 1/100th of the money they're spending rent out you know carnegie hall or somewhere set up a ring get them robes or whatever bring them into the thing and you know let them throw down a best three out of five tournament style winner is the leader in, in the party
1: I, yeah, I guess. It would be like one of those ultimate fighting competitions. Why not? Hey, do
2: you, do you think there's any way that we
1: could actually play paper, rocks, and scissors over the telephone?
2: Why not? Let's do it.
1: Okay, so uh, best two out of three?
2: Best two out of three All right. over the phone, and we'll do a tournament style, I'm assuming, which is one, two, three, and then you toss.
1: One, two, three, and then we call our thing. Yep. Yeah. Right. But yep. you have that 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 intimidating one two three that you do.
2: That well, that's true too. But I for for this thing, I'm just gonna stay a very standard normal one two three.
1: But I don't want you to go easy on me either. I I won't. Just because I'm a chump and everything. I won't. Okay, so uh, you want to try that?
2: Okay. Ready?
1: Yes. Go. One. One two three, three rock
2: scissors. Oh, so you got one. This works.
1: It it totally works. All right. So you see, I threw rock because I felt like you did not assess me to be a rock kind of guy.
2: That's very good. was I right? You were.
1: Okay, so that's one for me. Yeah. Okay, you ready?
2: Ready. Go. One, one two, two,
1: three. three paper. Oh. Okay, that's yeah. wh- one, okay. So one and one. one and one. All right, you ready? Yep. One, one two, two, three. three paper. Rock. Oh. Wow. So that's two for me, one for you. No,
2: I, I think we have to go. Th- I think we should go three out of five.
1: Three out of five? Three out of five. I think we should go three out of five. Okay. Ready?
2: Yep. Yeah. Go. One, one two, two, three, rock. Scissors. I got, got you again. Three out of five. Keep going. One more. Okay. okay. Ready? Okay. Go. Okay, go. Oh,
1: Wait, wait. What? You did, I wasn't ready. You
2: have to be able to keep up. All right. I didn't. I
1: Listen, you know, this is new to me. So. You're acting a
2: bit like a chump.
1: Okay, fine. I bet seven out of nine. Ready?
2: Go. One, two, two three, paper. rock. I beat you again. Get lucky. One, one two, three, rock.
0: On Wiretap today, you heard Joshua Carpatti and Maria Bamford, whose web show can be watched at superdeluxe.com. You also heard Gary Brewer, star of the film Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Way of the Tosser. To watch the trailer and clips from the movie, visit wayofthetosser.com. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Bergwintonic and Carolyn Warren. Production assistance from Crystal Duhame Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time, and Wednesday evening at 1130. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.